have a copy of the Word of God, we'll read this morning from John chapter 13. And I'll be honest, this is direction from the Lord while we were singing in the, before the Sunday school hour, and so I'm just going to follow Him as best I know how. Knowing that this is what He wants me to do, I'm convinced in my heart this is what He wants for the service this morning. And uh, it's needful in my life and in yours, I know. And so we're going to trust the Lord to speak to us and help us this morning. And you pray for me that I'll do what the Lord wants me to do. And I don't know what all I'll say or how long I'll be. But I'm going to do my best to obey the Lord. John 13, let's stand. Gospel of John 13 and verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. He that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is, to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped. Dipped it. When he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested this morning on your closeness to God. Here in the scripture we're told twice that one of the twelve was leaning on Jesus' bosom. And I think it's very important that we understand why the Bible is so specific to record this 
for us in the Word of God. In uh, the other Gospels, this record is recorded in all four of the Gospels. The Lord has come to uh, the last days before He'll be betrayed, crucified, and give His life for man. They are together and uh, fellowshipping. They have been washed. He's washed their feet. And now he prophesies that one of them will betray him. In Luke's gospel, it said they began to inquire among themselves who it would be. In Matthew and Mark's gospel, it is recorded that they began one by one, to ask him, Lord, is it I? But John is the only one who it is specifically recorded that he asks, who is it? Not, is it I? Not questioning whether he would be the one, but asking which of the other eleven that it would be. And you will not convince me any otherwise that the reason that John did not ask, is it I, as the other eleven did, is because of his closeness to the Lord. It does not mean that John was any better a person than the other eleven. It does not mean that John had some specific a place in his life or some specific privilege that the other 11 could not have had. The saddest thing, I think, and I'm just trying to mind the Lord and give what He's put on my heart and we won't probably be very long, but I really feel led to do this this morning. The saddest thing about this Scripture I read is that there was not a contest or a fight between the 12 to get where John was. That out of all of them, that John was the only one who took the privilege to lean and lay upon the breast of the Lord. Uh, One writer wrote, and I looked the lyrics up this morning, uh, and it's not in the red back hymn was written many, many, many years ago. Uh, And the writer said, a place near to the heart of God. He said, there is a place of perfect rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin can ne'er molest, near to the heart of God. The word molest means to trouble. It means to weary the mind. It means to cause to be uneasy. And while all of the others were troubled, while all of the others were uneasy, while all the others were struggling in their mind, John found a place of rest near to the heart of God. I'm wondering this morning how near are you? Are you having trouble in your mind? I think a lot of the doubts of our day would be cured if we find a place near to the heart of God. I feel like a lot of our struggles would be easier to overcome if we would live in that place near to the heart of God. 
everything in the Old Testament. It's no coincidence that the Sunday school lesson was what it was this morning. But everything in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow and a picture of something to come in the New Testament. The Lord told the children of Israel He brought them out of Egypt to bring them into Canaan. And the Lord did the same thing for us when He saved us. He brought us out of our spiritual Egypt. But there is a destination that God desires for us to be in. Canaan is not heaven, but it is the type of this place where John found himself near to the heart of God. It is the place of an abundant life. It is the place of a spirit-filled life. I'm not preaching the charismatic way, but it is still a command in the Word of God to not be drunk with wine where it is excess, but to be filled with the Spirit. Many of us struggle all our days and live in defeat and discouragement and despair because we won't get in this place near to the heart of God. That's right, brother. I know that's right. We spend all our days in the wilderness. It's a sad statement that many of the people of God in our fundamental churches are no different than all of those that murmured and died in the wilderness. That they were brought out of Egypt and never ever experienced the joy and the peace and the contentment that it is to dwell in the land of promise that God has for us. Oh, how true it is. I want to know how near you are. I want to know how close you are. James still says to draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Do you understand this morning that God wants you to lean on Him worse than you want to? That it is the desire of God. It is His will. His perfect will. Someone said, I'm struggling to find the will of God. The will of God for your life is for you to dwell in this place. And everything else will hinge upon that. Every other direction, every other way, every other step in your life will all revolve around the fact of whether or not you do or don't dwell in this place. You'll never have complete victory until you dwell in this place. You'll never have everything there is to your salvation until you dwell in this place. I'm not saying that dwelling in this place makes you any more saved. Positionally, we are as saved as we ever will be. I understand that. But there are so many more benefits. Paul wrote about things that accompany salvation. And when you get to this place, you can experience all the benefits of salvation in this place. You can dwell in a place where you don't doubt. You can dwell. You can. It is possible. Not that you're perfect, but if you can get to this place, John is the only one who had no doubt in him that it was not him that should betray the Lord. John was not self-confident. John was not arrogant. John was not prideful. But he knew in the position that he was at, there was no doubt in John's mind, it could not be him. And a lot of the doubts of our day could be cured if we would dwell in this place. A lot of the lying awake at night and struggling to find our way through could be cured if we'd dwell in this place. 
a lot of the battles that we have in our mind would be eased and, and, and conquered and we'd have victory over it if we would learn to dwell in this place. It's not for an elite few. I don't know why that, that mindset has become so prevalent in our churches that only the preacher is expected to dwell in this place. Or that only the deacons or the Sunday school teachers or the men in the church or just the older side. This is a place that is reserved for every child of God. If you are saved, you have the privilege if you will go there and pay the price or to dwell in this place. But many people don't want to pay the price to dwell in this place. Many people are seeking too much the approval of the brethren to dwell in this place. They're more concerned about what everybody else thinks than they are what the Lord thinks. It's amazing to me that Simon Peter, and we can be critical, and I'm not being critical about him, but here he is one of the three that was taken to some special places that none of the other went, and he wouldn't even ask the Lord himself. He must have recognized something special about the relationship that John had with the Lord. And he asked John to ask the Lord who it was. I wonder, I wonder if others recognize a special relationship with the Lord in us. That they have enough confidence when they feel they can't ask the Lord or they feel they don't dwell in this place. Do they have enough confidence? Do they recognize enough in us to say, will you ask the Lord for me? Are you that close? See, all the others, and I know this ain't nothing fancy this morning. I'm just preaching as the Lord give it to me this morning. All the others had to shout across everybody else to get to the Lord's ear. There were so many things, so many people between him and them, but John was right there. John never had to raise his voice. John never even had to move. He could have just whispered and he was so close the Lord would have heard exactly what John had to say. I'm afraid the reason that you and I are struggling so much in this life is there's so many things between us and Him that we feel we have to shout over and so many things we have to overcome just to feel like we can even get to where that we can speak to Him and He can hear but if we learn to live in this place and bring a lot more joy and contentment and satisfaction in our life if we would get to the place near to the heart of God. So much uneasiness in the world, in the church. So many people wringing and twisting their hands not knowing what to do. And I understand that the days are, are hard. I understand that the days are long. I understand that the days are dark. But if you could get in this place, the writer went on to say, there is a place of full release near to the heart of God. A place where all is joy and peace near to the heart of God. 
You say, preacher, I don't know what to do. You better get near to the heart of God. You say, preacher, I'm struggling and I don't know how to overcome. You better get near to the heart of God. You say, I feel like I'm losing my mind. You better get near to the heart of God. It's the only place. It's the only answer. It's the only solution to all the problems that we as the people of God face in this life. It's the only thing that will keep us where we need to be. You understand based on this, and I'm just going to preach how the Lord give it to me. Understand based on this scripture that as the events unfold, John will be the only one that we find at the cross. That does not mean John's perfect. The scripture is still in there. That when they arrested him, they all forsook him. And they all fled. But there was something bound to have been something in the heart of John that pulled him back near again. If you've ever been in that place, you'll never be satisfied in any other place. If you ever have ever leaned on his bosom, you'll never be satisfied at a distance and you'll not convince me any otherwise. That's why John was found at the foot of the cross. That's as close as he could get. He had been in the nearness before and he was not satisfied afar and something in him pulled him back near again. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been before in that place, but you have drifted away. I'm not preaching at you. I'm not preaching mean to you this morning. I'm not uh, rebuking you, but I'm saying you know in yourself that you're not satisfied where you are because you have experienced that place before. If you have ever been so close, I got to thinking the Lord got to stirring in my heart this morning while Brother Tim was teaching. I thought uh, John was so close, Brother Tim, he could hear the heartbeat of the very Son of God. And if you've ever been in and you can this morning, uh, uh, we read these stories in the Word of God and think they were reserved for them. Uh, we read the story about Peter walking on the water. Uh, but you know you can walk on the water. Uh, you can rise above your storm. Uh, you can rise above the tenth test, you can take the Lord by the hand and walk arm in arm, step in step on top of the waters of the sea of your life and you understand if you've ever been there, there is no satisfaction in being anywhere else except this place. You realize that John is the only one that it is recorded of him that he believed that the Lord was raised from the dead without physically seeing Him with His eyes. Do you have a problem this morning doubting what He said He would do? The Bible said that He rose. The women went down yonder to the tomb. The stone was rolled away. Mary come back and running and said, He's not there. And the Bible said that that disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, just a few pages over, you can read it for yourself. And Peter, they started off running. John outran Peter and stopped on the outside and looked in. Peter came and went on in and seeth the linen clothes and the napkin about his head. And then he went his way. And the Bible said, then came in that disciple whom Jesus loved and he saw and believed. That's what the Bible said. It does not say Peter believed. 
It said Peter saw. And then the Lord said, go tell my disciples. And Peter, apparently Peter was so far that he could not believe. He was dealing with doubt, struggling with doubt. We're hard on Thomas, but all the rest were the same. It was only John that had enough belief in the Lord that he believed without doubting, even though he could not see it for himself. Something inside John said it can't be so. But something greater inside him said it can be so. The Bible said in the scripture was revealed unto them that he said I must rise again the third day. And if you can get in this place, there'll be some things you'll be able to believe. There'll be some doubt you can overcome. When everybody else is swirling in doubt. You can rest in this place of joy and peace near to the heart of God. When everybody else is struggling to find the answer and heartbroken because they cannot believe, you can be in this place, as the writer said, that is full release. You can just turn it all go. And even though you don't understand, even though it doesn't compute, even though it doesn't make sense, you can hear the heartbeat of God and know that He will take care of you. A few chapters later, the Lord has appeared to them. But Peter gets this notion, and I I don't know, I've heard a lot of preaching in my day that Peter went back to what he knew. I don't know. Peter, it's not a direct reflection of rebellion. Peter was a fisherman. He just wanted to go fishing. I mean, we stretch the Scripture sometimes. I don't see rebellion. Peter just went to do what Peter had always done. And the rest of them said, we're going to go with you. And they told all night. And they didn't catch anything. And the Bible said Jesus stood on the shore. And He called to them, Children, have you any meat? And they said, No. He said, cast on the right side and ye shall find. And the Bible said they did so. We're not able to enclose it for so great a catch of fish. And here's what the Bible said. And John said, it is the Lord. Nobody else recognized Him. But John said, I know that voice. I know that power. I know who that is. Though I'm out here in the deep and I'm struggling to see Him and I'm struggling to feel Him and I'm struggling to do what I know I'm supposed to do. He said, I know who that is. And I'm going to tell you that just being near to Him does not exempt you from trouble. It does not exempt you from the storms of this life. It does not exempt you from some days and nights in the deep. But I'm sure glad that if you can get to the place where you're near to the heart of God in the midst of your storm, no matter how big, no matter how bad, no matter how big the waves are, and no matter how tired and weary you are and no matter how discouraged you are when he shows up and he speaks you know who he is 
Nobody else recognized him. Apparently nobody but John did. Peter, the Bible said when Peter knew, he didn't know based on his voice, he knew based on John's testimony that it was the Lord that he girded his fisherman's coat after he was naked and cast himself into the sea. John, at this place where John was at, caused him to realize some things that others could not realize. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest battles of the Christian life is for you to maintain being in this place. It's not a come to the altar this morning and get in this place and never have any resistance to pull away from this place. The reality is, if you ever get in this place, the old man will fight and fuss. The whole he does not want to be in this place because he knows that the inner man is in this place. He will always be stronger than the old man. He will always rise up. He will always overcome. And so the old nature, the old man, is going to fight against you tooth and nail but thank God there is a place near to the heart of God. And there are things, as I've already said, and I'm done this morning as far as I know, there are things enjoyed here that you can't get anywhere else. I'm not saying you're any less saved. I'm not saying you're any less a child of God. I'm not saying, I've already said, I want you to hear me well. Hear me well right here. This is not a privilege reserved for a select few. But the privileges that are enjoyed there are for the few that will dwell near to the heart of God. There are some privileges enjoyed here that cannot be had any other way than to dwell in this place. I don't want you misunderstanding me this morning. I don't want you going away and saying the preacher said only a select few. I said this is not reserved for a select few. This is a place God desires for every child of God to be here. But what is found here is only found by those who get here. You can't not get here. You can't make excuses about why you can't get here and expect to enjoy the privileges that are found here. You cannot make excuses about why you can't get to this place and then say, I don't understand why I'm doubting. I don't understand why I have so much struggle. I don't understand why I can't hear God. I don't understand why I have no direction. I don't understand why I have no discernment. I don't understand why God won't speak to me. If you won't get here, you can't enjoy all those privileges that come from being here. And I'm going to tell you something I believe with all that's in me to be true. I was in the service last night and Brother Steve Price said something and it hit real strong in my heart. He said, Preacher, what do I got to do to get to this place? You got to make the first step. But if you'll take the step, God will assume responsibility and help you pull Oh. Oh, what a blessed truth. That if you really, really, really want to get... I'm not talking about excuses. I'm not talking about being lazy. But if there's a real desire in you and you say there's nowhere else I'd rather be and you're willing to do whatever it takes and take the first step, God will assume the responsibility and pull you the rest of the way. That's 
And can I say that if you'll take your step every time, if you'll, you'll say, preacher, it's so hard to stay there. If you'll just take the first step, he'll do the rest. If you'll just invest, he'll do the rest. If you'll latch on and cling on, I'm glad this morning I'm not holding on to him. If I had to hold on to him, I'd be lost. It'd be in a pitiful mess. But I'm glad he's holding on to me. And I'm glad if you want to be here and dwell here, you can. I want to know this morning how near are you? How close are you? Can you hear his heartbeat? Can you hear his voice? Can you deal with the doubt when all the rest around you are struggling to understand? does not mean that you do understand. I'm not preaching this morning that this is some magic pill to make all the trouble go away, but it'll sure give you victory in the midst of trouble. When everybody else is struggling to understand, you may not still understand, but there'll be no doubt in you because you know where you are. How close are you? Can you talk to Him? Is there a confidence? Oh, I sure hope. I hope that others can see in me that I'm close enough that I can talk to Him. That I can lay my head on Him. And without doubt, though I may not understand, but without doubt, no, because of who I am in Him and where I am with Him, that my doubt is overcome by faith and by His help. Do you recognize Him when nobody else does? Do you know His voice? Do you sense His presence? Do you believe when all the circumstances are against hope? Do you have hope because of where you are with Him? Can you say like Paul in the midst of the storm, I believe God. That's what John did. He just believed. Not because he saw the Lord, but because of where he had been with the Lord. Have you been there before? And maybe you're not there this morning and there's something in you that's unsatisfied. And it's a pull and that inner man wants to get back here worse than anything else. Because you know what you've experienced in this place. Have you ever dwelled in Canaan? The song said, I am living, living now in Canaan. I remember several years ago, and I'm done. I remember several years ago, the Lord spoke to my heart. As real as if any of you had spoken. And this is what he told me. He said, You vacationed several days in Canaan, but you always come back out. He said, It's time to dig a foundation and to build a permanent dwelling.
And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I've always dwelled as deep in that place as I ought to. But I can tell you that ever since that day, there's been a desire in me to dwell there. And I've never been satisfied when I've not been dwelling there. If you've ever experienced what that land has to offer, I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about this place near to the heart of God. And some of you are looking at me like you don't understand what I'm talking about, but there's some of you that you know exactly what I'm preaching about this morning. There are some of you that maybe are living there now. Some of you that have lived there before and there's a pull in you and the Lord's dealing with you this morning to want to get back to that place again. It's the only satisfaction for the child of God is to be in this place. It's the only place of victory. It's the only place of joy. It's for you to dwell truly in this place. Are you dwelling there? How close are you? Are you leaning on His bosom? Are you a John? Or are you a Peter? Or a James? Or any of the others? Do you want to be a John? Have you been a John before? And now you're living more like a Peter or one of the others. And you want to be a John again. And the Lord's just speaking to your heart. Have you never been a John? But you want to be one this morning. And you want to get to His heart and dwell in that place near to the heart of God. Let's stand all over the house I'm doing.